Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and this week's podcast episode is very timely after all these recent hurricanes hit in the U.S. Now, as we know, anytime there's a wide-scale crisis like this, one thing you can depend on is not being able to depend on those critical infrastructure services that we've all grown so used to, like medical attention. Now, add in the toxic environments created by disasters and the threats of viruses and infections, you may very well have to become your own doctor for you and your entire family, and the medicines that you need could very well be non-existent when you need them. Now, one class of medicine in particular is a common topic among survivalists, and that's antibiotics. Definitely a necessity for the prepared citizen. But there's so much misinformation out there about this topic that I thought it was high time we set the record straight on what to look for and how to use antibiotics when you are the only physician your family has access to. Frankly, there's only one guy I trust with getting this information out to you, and he had a lot to say on this topic. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. We've seen it happen in every wide-scale disaster. Vital emergency services are suspended or overloaded. The medical help that you've always taken for granted is nowhere to be seen. And now your health and the health of your loved ones is your responsibility. Now imagine your eight-year-old daughter or granddaughter has turned up a very unhealthy shade of nuclear green. She has a raging fever and is upchucking technicolor rainbows. She may or may not have a virus or an infection or God knows what. But with no other medical help to turn to, you know you have to do something. So, do you reach for your cached bottle of fish antibiotics because you heard some preppers say that they're the same as people antibiotics? Well, antibiotics even work. How much do you give your kid and for how long? And what if you want to cache antibiotics, but you're not sure how to go about it? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me today is Joe Alton, better known as Dr. Bones. Dr. Bones, welcome to the program. Well, Jeff, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since we've done one of these, and uh, you're you're a you're in high demand. So I'm really glad to get you back on here. Now, listen, everyone, if you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts with uh, Dr. Bones and his lovely sidekick, Nurse Amy, who might be floating around in the background if you're watching this on video, uh, they're well known in the prepper world as medical experts and certified master gardeners. And Dr. Bones practiced as a board-certified obstetrician and pelvic surgeon for more than 25 years before retiring to devote his efforts to preparing your family medically for any scenario. He's been a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics, how he's medical jargon i always wonder if i'm saying it right or not but uh in gynecology and the american college of surgeons for many years served as a department chairman at local hospitals and as an adjunct professor at local university nursing schools he's a contributor to survivalist magazine backwoods home 
Self-Reliance Illustrated and Survival Quarterly, and he's been a speaker at various survival and preparedness conferences on the subject of medical readiness in austere times. Now, Nurse Amy is a certified nurse and midwife, as well as an expert on herbal remedies and essential oils. She's also written articles on survival gardening and natural remedies for survivalists in Backwoods Home Magazine. Their book, The Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Handbook, is a guide for the non-medical professional to stay healthy in situations where help is not on the way. Now, you can visit Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy online at their website, www.doomandbloom.net. All right, so let's go ahead and get started here. So, so Dr. Bones, antibiotics are obviously, they're, they're an extremely valuable, critical resource that you have to have during times where medical attention is nowhere to be found. And we, we've seen everything that happens in disasters and hospitals get overloaded and everybody thinks that they can just pick up the phone and dial 911 and get, get medical help or go on down to the hospital and get in the emergency room. But we've seen how these get, these get overloaded during these times. So, but part of the problem is, is really evaluating whether or not you even need that kind of medical attention that requires antibiotics to begin with. So, so this is like always the biggest question I have, like how do you know, how do you identify if someone has an infection or a virus or something that's going to be, that antibiotics are going to be useful for? How do you evaluate a patient, if you will, uh, that antibiotics are a, a preferred choice for what you're going to need to help treat them? Well, sometimes it's actually a pretty hard diagnosis to make. You have to look at some of the symptoms that they have and then what the symptoms do over time when you treat them with, for example, over-the-counter medications like um, fever reducers, pain relievers, things like that. Uh, I would say that bacterial infections in general, you'll find that symptoms persist longer than what you would consider maybe the seven to 10 days or so that a virus happens to last up. We're talking about in this particular case, influenza or respiratory infections. Uh, the fever would be higher than one you would typically expect from a viral infection. And the fever actually, despite your treating them symptomatically, you know, making them feel better, getting rid of their nasal congestion, perhaps their coughs, things like that, the fever has get worse over a few days uh, into the illness rather than improving uh, as it normally would when someone with a normal immune system. So, so, so these fever, are some of the things. Is fever the real indicator um, of, of whether something is, is like antibiotics would help with that? Because a lot of people would just go to aspirin or something like that to take down the fever, but it might, it might take down the fever, but it might not treat the actual source of it, right? That's absolutely right. Now, I will say that there are some types of infections that are most likely, very, very likely to be viral. For example, respiratory infections are most like, like, like the common cold, like uh, influenza. These are viral illnesses. So what if it's a respiratory infection, most of the time you're going to wind up with a viral infection. Now, one uh, exception to that uh, in an upper respiratory infection is if you see little pustules, little pimples, at the back of the throat. In that case, you're dealing with a bacterial infection called strep throat, and that's something that could benefit from antibiotics. Other infections or other areas of the body, let's put it this way, 
are more likely to be bacterial. For example, urinary tract infections, if you have someone who's got urgency of urination, frequently urinating, uh, a foul smell to the urine, for example, uh, or a discomfort in the, in the lower abdomen right in the middle, that's probably a urinary tract infection, and you're probably dealing with a bacterial infection. Those are almost always bacterial infections. And so it depends a little bit on the, on the, on the part of the body that's involved, the system that is affected. And of course, some of this takes a little bit of knowledge. You have to study up. If you're going to be the medic in a survival situation, you've got to do a little studying. Of course, you can get a lot of information from our survival medicine handbook, which is now in its Third edition, 700 pages, and we cover over 150 medical topics, not just bleeding and sprains and strains and things like that. We go from athlete's foot to amputation in the, in the book, and perhaps something like that as a reference book might be useful for you. Yeah. Yeah, really, I mean, um, my wife and I were just traveling, and I uh, we had a couple of trips recently that were really interesting. My, my wife and I were just traveling. Uh, we were in California in wine country, and she got yes. uh, there was a sliver, and it it got embedded. She thought she got it all out, and then all of a sudden we're in a, an urgent care center because she got a staph infection from part of the splinter splinter that that just never came out. I mean, it became, but we didn't know what it was, and so a lot of people don't understand just how easy it is for you to get some sort of an infection that can cause a response in your body it can be just one tiny little thing that can happen. Same thing, I was in the backwoods with my son recently on a backwoods canoe trip, no medical attention anywhere. It's he and I in the middle of the mountains. And the very first day in the river, I, I sliced my foot on a rock. And um, it that got infected as well. And just it's so easy for these things to happen that you really have to, you really have to, this is really important for you to know um, that you just start popping um, popping antibiotics in there. So let me ask you. You know, wait, wait, I, wait. Yeah, before go we go on, I wanted I, that that was a really good point. You mentioned two different injuries in which something specific happened. Your natural armor, your protection against infection, your skin was breached in both of those injuries that you just mentioned. And in those circumstances, it's most likely to be bacterial. And that, and the reason why that is is because you have bacteria naturally that lives on your skin. You are an ecosystem, and you have bacteria that lives on your skin. It's perfectly fine there, but it's not perfectly fine inside your body. And so the truth of the matter is is that what you had there is most likely, to, if you have a, a skin breach, most likely you're going to have a bacterial infection in that circumstance. Yeah, good point, good point. All right, so Dr. Bones, we've identified that anybody, whatever we ha uh, somebody has as an ailment in a survival scenario, antibiotics would be a good choice for it. But there are different kinds of antibiotics out there. I mean, sometimes people will know this from going to their doctor, and it's like, well, you know, why do they administer penicillin over, you know, amoxicillin or whatever it is? Like there are different kinds of antibiotics. So especially for the survivalists out there, what do they need to know about what types of antibiotics work for what types of, of conditions that they're that they're dealing with or like what's the, the basics of how do we decipher which antibiotics we should have on hand that would be useful for which type of an ailment. That again takes a little time and effort to learn all of these things. Now again I'm I don't want this to be an infomercial for the survival medicine handbook, but our book does 
cover all of these things in detail. Each one of these antibiotics, truthfully, uh, does treat different things. For example, uh, sulfa drugs uh, or fish sulfa or bird sulfa, uh, these drugs would be excellent to treat urinary tract infections. Then you have other uh, antibiotics like amoxicillin or cephalexin, otherwise uh, known as keflex, that uh, also come in veterinary equivalents that would be excellent for treating the types of infections that you and your wife incurred during your recent trip. So there are so many different antibiotics. Some antibiotics are even meant to be especially effective against things like parasites. Let's say you're in on a back country hike. We are right now in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we do a lot of backcountry hiking and camping. And what happens in circumstances is some of these very clear, beautiful mountain streams have organisms in them like Giardia. And Giardia, for example, is a back, not so much a bacteria as a parasite. And there are antibiotics that deal with parasites like metronidazole or fishzole that would be useful to treat these kinds of infections. And those cause uh, giardia and another thing called entamoeba or amoeba, amoeba, amoebiasis, are best treated with things like metronidazole that have an effect not only against bacteria but also against parasites. Mm. So it helps to have different bottom line. I'm sorry, bottom line is that you need to learn what each antibiotic, that especially ones that you have in your medical supplies, what they are best at treating. And you can, of course, find it in our book, but you can also find it in places like drugs.com, things like that. It just depends if you want to have a physical reference book. Yeah. Well, this really, look, I, I know we talk about, when we talk about this stuff a lot, it does require training. It does require a lot of this stuff. So that's why everybody that's listening, you know, there's no expectation for you to become a board certified doctor or anybody to have to be able to be able to treat your family. But that's why Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy have put together it's basically a monster reference guide that takes you in very simple, very simple language of how to do a lot of these things. Like it's just great to have that reference manual available so that you can quickly turn to it and answer those questions that you have right there on the spot. Now it doesn't take you doesn't take you off the hook for actually practicing some of these things and learning them and 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 even if you even if it's a non survival scenario being able to go through the process yourself even before you go to a doctor and then confirm that what you thought was real like that's very good training for you like before you head off to the doctor try and diagnose things yourself and then go to the doctor and confirm that yeah you know what I was I was right if I didn't have a doctor to go to then this, I, I was on, I was on track with it. Or, no, I made a mistake. I would have, I would have given the wrong medicine or I would have misdiagnosed it. And so I've learned my lesson. This is all part of training and a very critical survival skill. So make sure that you, um, this, it's a great opportunity to go over and grab their book. So again, we're talking with Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net about the myths, misinformation, and lies about survival medicine when it comes to antibiotics. We have a lot more coming up including dosage and how to administer as well as how to hoard your survival antibiotics for a no-meds-available scenario. So check this out. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos... 
or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Dr. Bones of net, talking about all you need to know about antibiotics for surviving a wide-scale crisis where medical services aren't an option. So let's go ahead and get back into the training now. So Dr. Bones, uh, so we, we've, we've identified that we that antibiotics will be a valuable treatment for the condition that we've diagnosed in a, in a meds-down scenario, no medical help available. We uh, have chosen which type of antibiotic is best for it. And this is probably going to be another one of those, well, it depends type of an answer. But, but when it comes to, okay, I've got this big bottle of pills here, like how, do, how much should I give to um, the person that has a urinary tract infection and, and no medical help available? How long do we give it for? Like, what's, what's the administration guidelines, if you will? Now, this is probably a really good reference back to your, the Doom and Bloom, uh, survival medicine guide as a reference guide, but is there, are there any, like, general rules for administering antibiotics? Yes, there's usually a pediatric dose and there's usually an adult dose. Sometimes pediatric doses are really meant for older children and then you actually have to sort of figure out an approximate weight of a young child in order to figure out how much of the medicine to give. And that's going to be a certain amount of milligrams per, they use kilograms, a kilogram is 2.2 pounds. But I think you could say that in general, a lot of the penicillin drugs or penicillin family drugs are usually three or four times a day. Uh, amoxicillin, for example, is three times a day. Penicillin is four times a day. Ampicillin is usually four times a day. So these are some of the drugs that are useful for uh, it at about a three to four times a day. Now, some other family of drugs, like the tetracycline family of drugs, uh, I don't recommend tetracycline these days because it's a first-generation drug, but there is doxycycline. Doxycycline uh, is available as a uh, bird biotic, and it is a two times a day type of, of medication. And usually what happens is, is that if you look at the family of drugs, it usually gives you an idea of how frequently you should take it. Now, again, that involves doing a little research, for example, on, on drugs.com, of course, or a reference guide like, uh, like our book. But this is something that is really sort of important. I would also say that um, urinary uh, tract infection, like sulfur drugs, those are usually twice a day. So you've got a, a number of different types of drugs, and they all have the, a 
individual way in which they are best taken to have the appropriate effect. Yeah. Okay, great. So, I mean, that, that gives us a really good guideline and a really good framework to be able to use this. Your book is a really good reference guide to use as well to get down to even more specifics for it. So now a more generalized question is, okay, people understand, okay, medical services might not be there. And we see this in disasters. Like people should get it by now that, that medicine, you know, services are going to be, are going to be almost non-existent sometimes in, in wide scale crisis. So, so when it comes to antibiotics, I, we get this question a lot with all, with any kind of medication, right? But if I can no longer depend on my pharmacy being able to supply me or having a doctor be able to supply me with the medicines that I need, then what is the best way for me to, to be able to hoard something like this that normally I would need a prescription for anyway? Um, a lot of survivalists go to veterinary-type antibiotics with the, with the understanding or the thought, I'll, I'll let you confirm, that they're the same as people antibiotics and just you don't need a prescription for them. You can just go buy them. But what are the best ways for people to be able to stockpile antibiotics specifically to be able to for this no meds, you know, down situation? Right. Well, in in general, that's considered to be an impossibility because all of these medicines are by prescription and. As a physician, over the course of, of my long career, I've prescribed many antibiotics when I found bacterial infections in my patients. However, for the average person, those things are generally out of the reach of the average Joe. Joe. So what do you need to do to figure out what antibiotics are available and which veterinary antibiotics, because not all of them are useful for for humans. Some of them have uh, additives and things like that that are specific for the species that they're supposed to take care of. And how did all of this uh, veteran, you know, fish antibiotic and uh, uh, bird antibiotic uh, stuff that you see um, survivalist sites come about? Now, I was the first physician to write about veterinary antibiotics. And the reason why that is, is because I'm a very unusual physician in that not only was I a medical doctor or a surgeon and obstetrician for many, many years, but I also raise fish in ponds. I raise tilapia in ponds. I raised ornamental tropical fish as well. And when my human, an- my human patients needed an antibiotic, I would give them, for example, amoxicillin, let's say. And when my fish had a bacterial infection like fin rot, for example, I would give them something called fish box. Well, for many years, I didn't think twice about it. But when I started getting interested in medical preparedness, I really saw that the lack of antibiotics was going to lead to a lot of unnecessary deaths. I remember specifically the uh, History Channel offering After Armageddon. And After Armageddon was a story of a paramedic and his family. And uh, some society ending event occurred and they wound up in a community of survivors. And because he had some medical training, he became the medic. But he looked through all of the various supplies that he had and he he realized there were no antibiotics. Unfortunately, of course, as a medic, you also have other duties. And so as he was doing some gardening, he cut himself and sure enough, the cup became infected. And he realized he didn't have antibiotics. And so he just saw the, the infection advance and actually go into it. Eventually went to his bloodstream and he died a very unpleasant death about four weeks later. So 
I saw that there were a lot of unnecessary deaths that could be prevented if we only had a supply of antibiotics in each preppers or, or in everybody's medical supplies. So I took a look at my antibiotics and I saw something very unusual. I saw that the fish antibiotics that I had and the bird antibiotics, I also have parrots as uh, pets, uh, they had exactly, the ones that I was using had exactly one ingredient, and that ingredient was the antibiotic itself. It had nothing extra in my fish antibiotics that made the fins larger or, the, or, or more pretty or, or the skin the scale shinier. It was just, uh, in the case of fish mox, amoxicillin 500 milligrams. Now, the strange thing about that is that amoxicillin 500 milligrams is the average adult human dose. Well, I looking further, I found that it was only made in human dosages, either 250, which is a common pediatric dose, or a 500 milligrams, which is the adult human dose. So why does my guppy require an adult human dose of, of amoxicillin, right? So I found that to be very unusual. And so I decided to do the acid test. And what that was is simply opening up a bottle of my human amoxicillin made by uh, Deva Pharmaceuticals, and it was a pink and uh, red capsule with the numbers and letters WC731 on it. And I opened up my fish mox, the 500 milligram version, red and pink capsule, letters and numbers WC731 on it. Hmm. And so that made me realize that these indeed were the same, the same drug itself. And I found a dozen antibiotics that actually fit that criteria. But it was very strict criteria. There are, med- there are medicines that could only have one ingredient, the antibiotic itself. They had to be only made, only produced in human dosages, and they had to physically look like and have the identification numbers that matched a human antibiotic made by at least one pharmaceutical company. And so by doing that, I found about a dozen antibiotics. And over time after my original article, uh, I'm now up to, by the way, a thousand articles, podcasts, and videos on our our website. But my first article was actually published in something called Survival Blog. Uh, uh, the famous author uh, James Wesley Rawls is in charge of that, and he put that article up. And uh, sure enough, indeed, we had a number of pharmaceutical pharmacists. Uh, people that work in quality control at pharmaceutical labs and other folks that actually said, yeah, you know, in the, in the case of the ones you mentioned, sure enough, they are indeed the same thing, that they are made in one batch. Some go to a, a uh, fish distributor who, who puts them in their own packaging and uh, or a bird, uh, a bird medicine distributor, and they're sold as uh, veterinary drugs. And so for that reason, Certain antibiotics are very useful for the person concerned about a long-term event to go ahead and have a good supply of in their medical supplies. Now, remember that antibiotics are not candy. They have to be used very judiciously in order for them to retain their effect. If you use them on everything, the effect on you is going to obviously, over time, you're going to become tolerant of it, like people become need more, I don't know, heroin you know, over, over the same effect. And so, and we're in the midst of an uh, epidemic of antibiotic resistance in this country, yeah. by the way, of which 80% is given to food producing livestock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so is this something that it's it's we can go down we don't need to see a veterinarian for this i mean i see i see all of these antibiotics right down at my local well my local hardware store has like a veterinary section and so behind the glass case there there are there's fish mocks and there's stuff that uh, antibiotics for birds as well um so this is something that somebody can really pretty much just go now it may be more it's probably going to be more expensive than if you had an insurance plan and you went to go see a doctor and you got a prescription so um one other thing and I'll, I'll you know I'd like to ask your opinion on this but I go down to Mexico once a year just to kind of de-stress from everything and um I can walk into any pharmacy there and get the antibiotics I need no prescription whatsoever super cheap I usually get a big old bottle bring it back and then I'm good for a year until I go back down again um any problems with I don't know what Canada is like don't really go to Canada all that much but um same type of thing just a, a relatively good resource to be able to if for people that are looking to stockpile you can go veterinary route and maybe there are other other options as well well you know i don't have specific experience uh with the drugs that they're producing in mexico however if you you find, if you use my criteria which i about on numerous articles uh, on our website of course it's in the book and uh you, I think, would be okay. What you would have to do is you have to look at the, you have to look at the bottle. You have to look at the ingredients on the bottle. Is there exactly one, uh, ingredient? And that's the antibiotic itself. Is it in human dosages? Which obviously, if it's a human pharmacy, it should be. And you have to be absolutely sure that, uh, it's something that would make sense for a common, uh, survival type of injury. So for, for example, things that are very co- common infections or your urinary tract infections are very common, especially in women. Uh, of course, when you're doing a lot of stuff in a survival scenario that you're not accustomed to, uh, for example, I do not chop wood every day. So it's very likely that an unskilled labor like myself will probably injure themselves at one point or another doing such a thing. And, uh, so those kinds of injuries where uh, you have, let's say, a soft wound, inf- a soft tissue infection that's called cellulitis, uh, those things would be very useful. Now, remember that I am a licensed physician. I, even though I'm retired, I carry an active Florida license. I like my license, so, of course, I have to always give the, the disclaimer that where there is a modern medical system that, ex- system that exists, you should probably always seek modern and standard prof- professional care. Mm-hmm. But having the antibiotics... In your prepper supply, in your medical supplies for times of trouble, will certainly save some uh, unnecessary bad outcomes. You bring up a really good point, and, and I think that's a great a great place to end here, also, which is that um, you know you don't wait for there's you know it's raining really hard and there was a, a flood you know three counties away, and this is your opportunity to try out your you know your your skills on your on your daughter with your antibiotics or anything like if you can get to medical attention then do so because that is going to be your best resource not only that but if they do have medicines that they can use instead of you having to dip into your stockpile that later you might have to use why not use that right now the other side of that is do you really want to you know you have to be very careful about um the medical facility or if it's something that you might end up getting more um more sick from where you go and contracting something it's it's a real you've got to really kind of play this out i'm watching like these fox just go by my office first time it's ever happened just anyway i got sidetracked here squirrel (laughs) that's my add 
that's a whole other pill story that we'll have to run into sometime. But anyway, um, just that's a really great point that you bring out there. So, um, so listen, everyone, as you can see, this is a skill set that is critical. It could literally be life-saving, but it does require that you know what you're doing. You can't just start popping popping pink pills because, you know, you think somebody sneezed and that's what you need to do. You need to be able to know what you're doing. And so part of that is the training. Part of that is practicing with any survival skill, getting some 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 practical practice with it, but then also having a reference guide that you can go to because, let's face it, especially during times of crisis and lack of sleep, lack of food, whatever it is, your judgment is going to, isn't going to be as sharp as it is if you were in normal times. So it's good to have a good reference guide. I mean, you can ask, you can go to any forum or anything online, and I'll tell you that the definitive resource is the one from Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy and their Doom and Bloom guide that they have there. So, um, shameless plug. Shameless, shameless plug. That's not shameless <laughs> if I do it. <laughs> so, anyway, so go check out their website at www.doomandbloom.net. And Dr. Bones, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Great information. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it was great to be here, Jeff. Always grateful. Hope to be back one day soon. Awesome. You will be, I promise. So, All right, everybody, so that's it for our podcast for today. So until the next one, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.